Good morning, Charles County. Welcome to Cat Presents, a morning cup of advocacy. And this is episode one. Um, we'd like to talk a little bit about what we do. My name is Erica Rosa. And I'm Nicole Horsecamp. Um, in addition to introducing ourselves, we want to tell you a little bit about the Center for Abused Persons, where we both work, the history of CAP, and about the services that we offer the county. And um, starting off to talk a little bit about myself and where I came from, I initially went to school for media, which is how I learned to podcast and do TV, film, uh, pretty much anything under the media umbrella. I, I got a chance to experiment with. Um, long story short, I spent some time in social work through a friend that got me a job. I worked in a group home for adults with intellectual disabilities. And I found I really loved not just taking care of people, but being an advocate for them. And that job was out in Virginia. Eventually I wanted to work closer to home, which is how I found CAP. How about you, Nicole? Um, so I actually worked at CAP previously before I started in the advocacy position. actually worked on the hotline for about um, a year and a half to two years, right out of the gate at a college. And unfortunately, I had to leave. I did like working on the hotline, but I had to leave um, and kind of pursue some other interests that I had to kind of get my feet wet and see where I wanted to be when it comes to um, advocacy, because I really love to advocate for people um, and help people when they're in kind of a situation, a crisis situation. They don't know which way to kind of navigate. So after I left the hotline, I actually started pursuing some advocacy for several years. And then I saw that Center for Abuse Persons, uh, CAP, was looking to hire for an advocate position. And so I applied and our director remembered me, uh, remembered everything, almost everything about me. And so I, uh, got hired, came in for an interview and got hired. Uh, and so I think I've been here for a little over a year, maybe a year and a half at this point. So, so far, so good. That's awesome. And I think that really speaks to who cap is as an agency that you had such a good experience that you wanted to come back when you were at, in a better position to be able to. Exactly. And I, like you said, that definitely speaks to the agency and the environment uh, that is here at CAP. So it, it's very nice work environment, in my opinion. Yep. And um, just to spin off and let our audience know a little bit about CAP and the history of Center for Abuse Persons, we were founded in 1983. We started out strictly as a program for sexual assault victims, and we were originally staffed just by volunteers. And then services were added for victims of domestic violence. And then, with some funding from Charles County, we added the 24-hour crisis hotline for all issues. As time went on, we got additional funding for paid domestic violence and sexual assault staff. Which I think so. is... Which to me, I think is pretty cool because I actually did not know that we were originally funded by volunteers. So I think that that's kind of a neat way and to see kind of how far we've come. Yep. And I, I feel that spirit really holds true that I'm sure when volunteers alone were staffing CAP, 
everything just came from the heart and just that drive to really want to help somebody. And while we're paid now, <laughs> that that's still the case. And that's what, 30, 37, 37 years later? Yeah. Um, and to know that we're still a small staff, but we are a very connected staff um, and that we can be there for each other. Uh, so we all kind of are in this together, I think, which is really nice. How many people work with us? Oh, well, we have <laughs> three counselors and we have us two. So that's five. And then we have our director, Annette, our clinical director, Teresa. And we have a hotline supervisor. So that's eight. Remember eight. <laughs> and I'm doing count, the math. Doing the math. And then I'm going to count our hotline because we have... The 4 to midnight staff is the same for a week, like for Monday through Friday. And then we have um, the overnight Monday through Friday. So that's four if you count the weekend and during the week. And then we have... So round about like 12 to 15. Yeah, I think we probably have that. Yeah, let's not do as much work <laughs> so the still math department. Um. 12, 12 to 15 very compassionate ladies mm-hmm. that um, that are here to help all, all of you potentially that are listening to us right now. And um, I know that Nicole and I spoke a little bit about our backgrounds and why we were drawn to the field. So mm-hmm. um, next we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the services that CAP offers. Um, the first thing I like to talk a little bit about we offer counseling for people who have been abused in their relationships, also victims of sexual assault. We offer one-on-one affordable trauma-informed counseling to adults and adolescent victims of, again, intimate partner violence, sexual assault, and also childhood abuse. The intake is always free. We always make sure to let people know that. And um, beyond that, the counselor and the client together decide on a fee for service using a sliding scale based on household income. So we're willing to work with you. And I think that's the important part that I think I know that I like to stress to anybody that uh, we do advocacy with is that we try to make it as affordable for the client as we can. Yeah, because um, when you're going through those type of traumatic situations, the last thing you want to think about you're thinking, well, I know I need counseling, but my pocket just can't handle it. Exactly. (laughs) Because we all know that counseling can be very expensive, especially if, because we don't take insurance at CAP. So, because that's typically the first, I don't know if you get it, Erica, but I know that's one of the first, (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the first questions I get. And it sounds like you get it as well too. So we don't take it. So that's why we tried to make it as affordable as possible to just help because we know that, especially if you've gone through any of these things that we do in our work, that it's hard um, to talk about. Yep. And, um, really the best thing about it is if you, if you come in for counseling with us, what you're getting out of that is someone who's supportive and non-judgmental. Yes. <laughs> so you can really open up and always have kind ears that are receiving what you have to say. Yes. Cause I know that it's hard to, 
tell somebody your whole life story, um, even if it's not your whole life story, um, going through anything traumatic seems like it's all that you can think about. So you definitely want to make sure that you have somebody who is supportive and non-judgmental. Um, and I know y'all, pro- people who are listening are probably like, well, of course you're saying they're supportive and non-judgmental, right? Because we work there, so we know them. But I know that I have gone to all of our counselors on a bad day and have been able to talk to them, and I feel supported and non-judged. I don't know. Have you had that experience too, Erica? Absolutely. Yes. Yep, and um, and I, I think something that's really important for people to know is that there should never be any guilt attached to going to therapy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, I know it's a hard thing to make that first step and say like, you know, Hey, I, I need to talk to somebody, but there shouldn't be any guilt or shame about it because every, everybody needs to talk to somebody. Yes. And I agree. There should not be that stigma around it, but unfortunately there is. And I, I wish the world would be different. Um, and well, we're trying that. to change that day by day. Yes, that's all we can do, right? Day by day. <laughs> sure. And um, you were um, talking a little bit about advocacy. Um, we do advocacy in court. We do. Uh, so we do uh, what we call court advocacy. And we also call it court accompaniment. So what we do, um, and I, both me and Erica, we both are uh victim advocates. So we are in the courthouse. We're trying to be in the courthouse every single day, but due to this pandemic, we unfortunately cannot be in the courthouse right now. But uh, we are still doing advocacy over the phone. But one of the big things that I wanted to acknowledge about our court advocacy and our court accompaniment is that we are here for you. So if you have, like, if you are a victim of intimate partner violence and you're going for a protective order we are here to help you walk you through that process because it is not an easy process to go through and it's really hard if you don't have a strong supportive unit there helping you through it Uh, because one thing that we know about intimate partner violence is that sometimes that aggressor can isolate you and can make it seem that you are the only one there so that you are dependent on them. So we know that that can be hard because you might not have those friends that you can turn to. Mm -hmm. So that's what we try to do for the accompaniment is so that we can walk you through that process. We can go with you to fill out that protective order, that initial protective order, sit with you during that hearing, uh, answer any questions that you have. Yeah, because I know at least myself, and it speaks to your excellence <laughs> and how versed you are in our court system. There's a lot of legal jargon that seems really overwhelming if you've never had to step foot in a courtroom, except for maybe like your occasional traffic ticket. <laughs> yes, and even going for a traffic ticket is very can be very daunting because you have the judge sitting on the bench ahead of you and you're just nervous. So I know I try to, when I go to court with people, I'm just like, okay, take a deep breath, be as prepared as you can and try to remain calm. And a lot of times I get some looks like, really, you want me to remain calm right now? But it's honestly the best advice that I can give is to remain calm because you don't want to go up there in the judge 
like presenting before a judge and being ner- like so nervous that like you can't speak. Um, because I know me personally, when I have to go before a judge, I get very scared. And mind you, mine's only for like traffic tickets and things, but I get scared. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> right, right there with you about it. And um, it it's an amazing thing if actually it was um, someone that I, a client that I started working with very shortly after I was hired, like the first person I got to go to court with mm-hmm. seemed so pleased and like so so relieved just to have someone to make small talk with during all of this yes uh, because you're that listening ear that because we know so much about what these people are going through that we might not know their specific story by the time we see them in court but we have a general idea and so I think that helps that we kind of know what we're doing and that we know a little bit. I mind you, I don't know as much as a a lawyer would know. Um, but I just from sitting in court, being in court, you pick up some of that knowledge. So you kind of have a general idea of what could happen. So you can worst case scenario with a client so that they are prepared and they kind of know what could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that for me, that's kind of what I like to do. I like to prepare people as much as possible. Like, okay, you're going to go, you're going to go right before a judge. The um, aggressor might be there as well. So bear that in mind. Um, so I just try to prepare people as much as possible. And yeah. all honesty, I love court advocacy, so I can go on and on for days. <laughs> and I remember it was probably the first two or three weeks that that I was working with Cap. I would come home, and my husband would ask ask me how work was. I'm like, it was great. I got to go to court, <laughs> and he's just looking at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, because I think for other people, like they don't understand like what that means for us. Yeah, and what and what it means for us is really being the strength that people need. Yes. That person that they can, like you said, talk idle chit chat with about the weather or about anything just to keep their minds occupied. Yep. And, um, we're talking about advocacy and accompaniment and Mm -hmm. yeah, we, we do go to court to make outreaches for people that may need it, but Mm -hmm. we also go to the hospital for medical accompaniment. Yeah. And so what that kind of looks like is, because we cover a wide variety of things at CAPS. So we cover, uh, like was mentioned earlier, intimate partner violence, uh, sexual assault, as well as um, childhood abuse. So when we go to the hospital, what we call, we typically call those our hospital outreaches. And so what we do is we get a call from one of the nurses at uh, the hospital here, Charles Regional. They'll call us and say, hey, we have this person. They'll give us a little bit of background on them, um, what type it is. So if it's intimate partner, if it's a sexual assault, or if it's child related, they'll give us that. They'll give us the age and then most of the time tell us when about we should arrive at the hospital um, to go talk to these, this um, victim. And so we go, we talk to them and we, again, are just that listening ear. Uh, We go in, we say, I know that you've been through this traumatic experience. I don't want, I want you to feel comfortable. So please 
you do not have to tell me anything that you are not comfortable with. And so I know going in with that kind of thought that, hey, this person has this traumatic experience going on right now that they might not want to talk to me right now. But we give them a packet of information that has information of resources in the county, as well as to cap. And we like to write our hotline number right on that packet. So And I know I tell them, I know that you might not want to speak to me right now because you've maybe been at the hospital for a really long time. and Or had to tell your story multiple times to different people. Exactly. And so I don't want them to feel like like I'm another person that they have to talk to and relay their story again. So I always write our hotline number down on the packet that's it. And I'm just like, Whenever you are ready to talk, we are here for you. Just so that they're comfortable and they're like, okay. And then they have that freedom to call us when they need us. Yeah. And it's amazing the the difference that you can see when someone feels like the idea isn't being forced on them. Yes. um, Because you can see that when they're just like, oh, you're not going to make me talk about my story. No, but I am a listening ear and I am here if you want to if you want me to listen to your story. I am more than happy to listen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um something that we both do, but um my position it's a, it's a whole lot of it as um <laughs> <laughs> I I go into the community with presentations. So community education and professional training. I offer presentations to schools, groups, and other agencies that would like education on CAP services, Mm -hmm. healthy relationships, sexual assault, the cycle of abuse, and consent. And the way I really feel is I've done some presentations in middle schools, and digitally I've been sending things to high schools too since the pandemic started. And um, it's never too early to learn about consent. (laughs) It is so, not. <laughs> so if um, anybody out there has a group that they would like a presentation, I can do things over Skype. I can send you digital materials during this time. And when the world is off pause, we are more than able and willing to come out to you and educate you a little bit on these issues and really be that resource to answer any questions that you might have. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I know I've seen – I haven't seen Erica give a presentation, but I have seen her – get the stuff prepared for these presentations and some of the things that she does, especially for the small groups are phenomenal. I know she has this one activity and I don't remember what age range it's for, but it's a pizza activity <laughs> where everybody I knew it was has coming. <laughs> of course you did. It's one of my favorites. But everybody at the table in that group has to decide on the toppings for a pizza. And so I think that that's just a great activity. So Erica is very creative and can do anything to kind of for your group. So I thought that I'm going to give you that little Well, plug. thanks. Well, hey, to, <laughs> to answer your question, honestly, I like to use that activity with any age group because okay. let's be honest, everybody loves pizza. And I know everybody has had an argument on what goes on a pizza. So Whether whether it's gluten-free pizza or if you have like a cheese allergy or tomato allergy, someone like, everybody likes some form of pizza. We can all agree. Exactly. (laughs) And so, and I know everybody's seen it, that debate on does pineapple go on pizza? So, and I agree that should, but you know, I, everybody's different. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's funny to kind of watch people do that activity and see when it when it clicks like, wow, this is just like consent for anything. And these are the conversations I should be having with people regularly. Exactly. There's so much uh, on the in the realm of consent that you can do, uh, because most people you don't think like, well, you think about it because you want to have consent in anything that you do. And so but once you put that that title to it, people start thinking like, oh, I do ask for that, like in just everyday life, like not even when it comes to uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, like any of that. So it's just kind of neat. Once you kind of put that name to it, people are like, oh, yeah, I do that most of the time. And um, I'm sure consent as far as physical touch is definitely a hot topic in our pandemic times. It definitely is. You can't you can't just go go around high fiving and hugging everybody right now. You cannot. because, And I think that's one thing that we can take from this pandemic is that, hey, yep. we can talk about consent and put it to a real life thing, like a real life pandemic right now. That everybody can relate to. Yes. <laughs> but um, Nicole, I know you can speak to it. Something I think is pretty cool that we do that I, I never would have imagined that a program like this does exist in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in our county in a small way, but it's very impactful. Um, We have this group called AIP. Yeah. And so what that group is, it stands for Abuser Intervention Program. And so it's a program for aggressors uh, who have most of them have been charged with some type of domestic assault. So they have been court ordered to attend our program. It's 26 weeks. It's taught. uh, It's co-facilitated by our counselors. And in that, they learn uh, a little bit about, it's a little bit of anger management, but not so much of it. It's more kind of focusing on knowing that your actions have consequences and that you should kind of a lot, keeping your hands to yourself. What are some things that you can do when you feel angry and just trying to help them so that in the future and maybe in their next relationship, it is not violent. Like this relationship became. So it's kind of trying to curve that domestic violence. And, um, and I, I think that's amazing to make an impact on that side of the fence too. Mm-hmm. That it's not just being there to help the survivors, the victims of these situations, but also the the people on the other side. Yeah, and it's kind of neat, too, um, that in the beginning you see that most of these men that are in this group don't want to be there. They are court-ordered, so they have to be there. They don't want to have to pay. They don't want to do any of this. But by the end of that 26 weeks, you've seen the group kind of come together, and they all end up taking something from the end of it. So, yes, it's 26 weeks, and it's long, and we have to explain to them that we know that that's a long time to be in a group, but you will get something out of it at the end. That's awesome. And um, 
one last thing just before I forget about it. We have, um, <laughs> it's a whole lot. When I said, oh, let's do our first episode reviewing all the services <laughs> that we offer, we do a lot. <laughs> yes, we do actually. And so it's, and I don't think either one of us noticed it, but we've been sitting here talking this long no, just we, about our services. <laughs> and here's the thing, like just so people understand from a day to day, we wear a lot of hats and it really will change from day to day what the outline is of what we're doing. So it really does. Um, just because I know we're coming up on that half hour, the last thing we wanted to speak to is we have a 24-7 crisis hotline. So you don't just have to be a survivor of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, or sexual assault. Mm-hmm. You you can have any kind of crisis and call us. Even the pandemic right now, if you're feeling stressed because you're not working or because of the isolation um, depression, any, anything under the umbrella, you can call us. Yeah. And even if you're looking for, uh, resources, like let's say, cause I would categorize this as a crisis. If you need housing or you need, uh, food resources, or you are even looking for counseling for your, your children or counseling for you, that's not related to domestic violence or sexual assault. Our hotline is here to help with that too. We have so many resources that we could give you just based on any of that. Um, So please reach out to us because we are, the way I like to phrase it, we are here to help even if it's not domestic violence or sexual assault related. Even if it's something that we can't directly, even if it's a situation that we can't directly fix, we can point you in the right direction. Yes. And um, all, all of this stuff will be in the description somewhere, but we just wanted to make sure that you all know how to reach us. We have the 24-7 crisis hotline, and I hope I got this right, but I think I have it memorized. <laughs> 301-645-3336. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so we, we have that. We also have our website available if you just wanted to click around and see everything we have going on. Mm-hmm. That's where all of our events tend to be posted too. Um, that is Center for Abused Persons, CharlesCounty.org. Yep, and we also um, have our Facebook page, which you may have, if you're listening to this, may have found that. Um, but we also post all of our events, anything like that, there on our social media as well. Yep, we do Facebook, we do Twitter, we do Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, right now we're in the month of April and we actually have a um, sexual assault awareness month photo challenge right now. Yes, we have a couple more days. uh, So please, if you feel it, it's posted on our Facebook page and we are giving a grand prize uh, to anybody that has the most photos in our photo challenge. Yep. That's exciting. It is. It's actually a very good goodie bag. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I wish I could participate, but I'm not allowed because I work here. I know, um, me too. <laughs> but um, this is going to be a weekly show, so we'll be back with you next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will. And we have very exciting topics for you guys. Yep, so um, everything that we just summarized as far as our services go, expect to hear a lot more detail about that in upcoming weeks. 
And another thing I like to open up to everybody, if you have any particular questions about anything that we do or pretty much anything under that umbrella, just reach out to us and we can even answer your questions on air. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.